What's up, everybody, and welcome to Pocket Thoughts. I'm one of your hosts, Bobby Mason, and I will be joined today by Brady Reesecraft, Brandon Wilson, and Joey Traxler. In today's 21st century, the word entrepreneurship conjures up feelings of optimism, success, and happiness. The world of entrepreneurship is viewed as a glitzy, almost heroic career with a guaranteed pathway to riches and success. You've seen how it works on TV, social media, and the YouTube channels. Entrepreneurship is the most awesome career you can find. Just dream up a great idea, talk to a guru about how to market that idea, make a website, and bang, you might as well buy your mansion now. Purchase that Ferrari you've always wanted and prepare yourself to date the hottest woman in the world. I mean, after all, you are an entrepreneur and you'll be printing cash in a matter of days. Wrong! We are four entrepreneurs with backgrounds in medicine, logistics, accounting, and tech with very different experiences. Therefore, we will share true stories, life lessons, successes, and struggles with you every week to give you a real inside look into the life of an entrepreneur. Topics on this week's show. Number one, what motivates us? What gets us up super early in the morning, gets us excited, and gets us out of bed to keep working hard every day? Number two, do you do something that is insanely scalable and try to affect a million people all at once, or do you just start slow and let that thing ramp up over time? Number three, what strategies do you use to say no? And fourth, we will talk about what made you want to be an entrepreneur. So make sure you like us or leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, etc. And make sure you check out more of our content and the show notes at educatingentrepreneurs.com backslash pocket thoughts right now. Enjoy the show. We can't wait to see you later. Welcome, folks. We're here. We're here in Washington, D.C. We got the whole Educating Entrepreneurs crew. We're bringing you the first ever, first ever Educating Entrepreneurs podcast. I think we're all excited about it. Oh, I'm excited. We're excited to be here. We're excited to share with you. It's going to be a fun day. We're going to go over a couple of different topics, and um, it's good to have the whole group together, and we just want to we just want to go over some of the things that have been on our minds this, this past week, and how we can possibly uh, help you guys out in, in any way we can, and, and in turn, help ourselves out, I think, right? Yeah. We, we're here to learn together. Oh, yeah. So I think the first thing we want to start with, I was, I was curious, I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and... <clears throat> I kind of want to know just what you guys do when you get in a rut, when you're having a tough time finding that motivation. It's tougher to get out of the bed in the morning. You're not jumping right out of bed and excited to go to work, excited to get things done. It's tough. It happens. It happens to everybody, no matter how much you love your work. And I'm just, I'm, I'm curious what you guys do to, to try and get back on the horse and, and find that motivation and, and get back to work and, and figure out what, what you're passionate about and, and really dive into those thoughts. Uh, yeah, I can definitely start. I would say that there's a lot of different things I do in order to kind of regain that motivation. The main thing I do is probably go back to the beginning of why, you know, why I started this, why um, I began this journey, whether it be just for learning purposes, whether it be for helping other people, really 
bringing myself back to the why rejuvenates just my motivation and kind of gets me gets me going again. He literally stole my thought. It's <laughs> good to be here because it's it's okay if we have overlapping thoughts. Well, it's the same thing as Joey. You wake up every day and you think, why am I doing this? I have a purpose. I started this for a reason. You know, I just want to keep going on it and, you know, get to that main goal, whatever it may be. It can be different for everyone else. You know, for me, I want to be rich one day. I want to have all the nice things in life that you dream about. So... I am actually the polar opposite of that. Classic. Classic, yeah. I think about it when I'm, when it comes to one of those mornings where I'm just like, screw this, this fucking sucks. Like, actually, it does. I don't want to get out of bed. I think to myself, I have two options. I'm either motivated by money or I'm personally motivated by just the journey. And trying to create something bigger than myself. And I think about it and I go, crap, I'm not motivated by money at all. So that sucks. So I better find somebody that actually is motivated by money so they can take care of that money thing. And then I start to think about it. I'm like, gosh, since day one, all I've wanted to do is just create something big. Like, I just wanted to create something that genuinely makes a difference in people's lives. And like Joey Brandon and I talked about... The other day, we were talking about how do you go through your thought process? Do you think about just changing the life of one person at a time? Or do you think about changing a thousand lives at a time? There's no right or wrong answer to that. But for me personally, the thing that gets me motivated is I want to change thousands of lives at a time. And... It creates problems, and the only reason why it creates problems is because even when I change 10 lives, I'm frustrated by that because I always think, gosh, how can I change? Why didn't I change 100? Why didn't I change 1,000? And it really starts to get under my skin, but it's also the thing that gets me going every day. Yeah, and kind of piggyback off of Bobby, this, this might be going a little off topic, but he mentioned um, affecting other people's lives. And, and, and we had, we had that discussion before we, we were walking around DC and, and these, these conversations just come up between us. We always have these, these random conversations and we always have these random questions we ask each other. And, and this popped up how we try to change other people's lives. How do we affect other people's lives? Bobby mentioned that he goes more for the tactic of trying to change as many people's lives at once as possible. And like he was saying, there's not a right or wrong answer. I have a totally different type of approach to something like that. I'm more of a relationship by relationship, more one-on-one type of guy. So I try to create friendships or relationships and try to help other people. And I, I kind of hope that that spreads. So if I create friendship with someone else who doesn't understand what friendship is, I hope that branches off and that person goes and pays it for their understanding of, of friendship or a relationship, right? And so that, that multiplies. And, and that's, that's kind of how I feel like I want to approach the effect of change, really. It's really interesting. It's, it's interesting hearing both those, both those different ways because I, honestly, I haven't really thought about it like that before. But I, when, when I think about myself and, and how I go about that, I'm directly in between those two. I have to have something in my life that I'm doing on a daily basis or on a weekly basis that's interacting with individuals that I can see the output that I'm having and how I'm actually helping people. And that's definitely where I can align with Joey. And I see 
where that is. But on the other side of that, I get frustrated in the same way that Bobby does thinking, what if I could have doubled that? Or what if I could have tripled that? How can I help more people? But if I get caught up in only looking at how can I help 10 people at a time or 100 people at a time and I get too removed from the day-to-day interactions of people, I just feel too up in the clouds. And then I, I start to lose touch with that connection, the human relationship that Joey was talking about. Um, so I think there's multiple different spectrums that we can have. And I definitely fall right in between of the human day-to-day interactions and helping people and seeing how you, we can more broadly affect a bigger population than just one person at a time on a daily basis. So I was just thinking, and I'm really curious about if this, a, this is a problem in my logic in the sense that like I want to affect a thousand people. I want to affect a hundred thousand people. I want to affect a million people because really, if you think about it from a business perspective, all I'm doing is trying to make everything scalable in that sense. And, you know, we talked about it last week. If you have a company like Airbnb or LinkedIn, they focused on becoming unscalable at first when they tried to succeed. They made sure every user experience was incredible so they could grow at a much quicker rate. So, like, based on what Joey was saying off of branching off, like, each of those individual relationships branching into more and more relationships, I start to wonder, like, it's such a hard thing to figure out. Do you do something that's insanely scalable? And just try to affect a million people all at once, or do you just start slow and let that thing just ramp up? Like that's the same thing I think we're gonna have a problem with in the podcast. I know this is completely off of Brady's questions now. Like we're not even on the same thing. But like in all reality, as soon as we launch this podcast, like do we push it to ten people? Try to make sure it's specific to what those ten people like, make sure they enjoy it, touch base with them get feedback, try to make the next one in a way that makes them happier and have a better experience? Or do we go on Facebook? Do we go on Twitter? Do we go on Instagram? Push it out to millions of people. It's very broad. And just hope that 100 out of those million people click on the the link, look at the podcast and genuinely like it. Like, how do you market things? How do you interact with people? Like, what is where does that scalability stop? And how should it start? You know? Exactly. And kind of, and then another step of getting that feedback from that massive group, right? Because with that, with that smaller scale, it's, it's easier to create more of a, a relationship where you may be able to get feedback, right? When, when you scale it so large right away, it's hard to get that personal touch where, where they will actually give you a review or talk to you about it and be like, this is how you could make the personal experience better for the user. Off of that, it just it just reminded me, like, so Airbnb and maybe it was Adobe, yeah, sorry, I can't remember, but they were going to Y Combinator. And when they went to Y Combinator, Paul Graham, oh, Y Combinator, for all of you that don't know, it's uh, in a sense like an incubator. These companies have great ideas, and they go and they apply at the Y Combinator, and they go through an interview process. And those that actually get accepted by Paul and his wife receive a bunch of money, receive a space to work in, and they receive basically the support they need. So anyways, Airbnb, based off of what Joey was saying uh, about really focusing on a large scale of users, a large amount of users, Paul went to Airbnb and he said, where are your users? And they're like, they're in New York. And he's like, you need to go to New York. 
and you didn't meet with those users because this is the only time in the history of your business that you're going to be able to interact with all of your users. If you become a big company, you're a billion dollar company and you have tons of customers, you'll never be able to hear their wants again because you won't have the time. So I think that's super interesting when it comes to, I mean, I guess that almost answers my question when I think about networking, like do you focus on one person or do you focus on a ton? If I'm really worried about the human relationships, I should focus on one because that's at this moment, it's my opportunity to meet with that person individually while also figuring out down the road as I have more and more relationships, how to scale that. All right, so moving right along to the uh, the next topic of conversation here. Something uh, I kind of was curious about because I, I do struggle with it is knowing when to say no, right? So, and, and your tactics for dealing with that because whether it be you just got too much on your plate and you want to say no, but you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I, I should say yes. Like, how do you guys deal with um, maybe deciding when to say no, and if you're going to say no, how you how you say no. I think this is an interesting one. I think this is something that probably every all of us have struggled with at, at some point or another. It's I think it's really easy to get caught up in kind of the cycle of yes, especially when you want to like take opportunities and run with stuff. When you're young, right? Exactly, and and you have things constantly coming up, and you get to a point when you can say yes too much. And I think that's happened to everybody where you're kind of, you're kind of giving 20, 20, sorry, we, we've got a lot of planes coming in out here. So if you hear those in the background, that's just, uh, that's the uh, faulty seals on the hotel we're sitting in right now. So I'm not even sure if that thing closes, so it might get cold in here tonight. But, um, so if you hear any planes in the background, that's just the, the hotel room. But, um, back to topic, I, I think we can get in, in, stuck in this, in this area where, you can almost say yes too much. And then instead of putting 100% effort into one or two tasks, you're putting maybe 70% effort into six tasks. And that's never a good place to be in. Um, I, I think we've all been there and nobody wants to be there. For me personally, I've definitely got to the point when I was at a point in my life when I said, I'm going to say yes to everything. Because then you're, you, I was worried I had the fear of missing opportunities. I had FOMO, fear of missing opportunity. And, uh, and, but seriously, I, I, I said yes to everything and you completely overbook yourself. And I, I think you get to a point when you're just not doing the work that you're passionate about and you're not doing good work anymore. So I kind of flipped that on its head. And I believe this comes from Tim Ferriss himself. Shout out to Tim. But I got to the point when if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. So if you are not, if you get asked about it, and you are not more excited to do that than anything else, you got to let it go. And obviously at the start, there's a time when you got to take opportunity, you got to take your chances, and you got to say yes. But once you get those opportunities and once you start to understand what you're, what you're good at and what you're passionate about and what you really want to work on, if you get a question to do something and you are not amazingly excited to do it, I say no. Because that gives me that means that I can focus on the things that I'm super excited about and I know that if I'm taking something on, that I am extremely, extremely excited about and I can do, I know that I'm going to put my whole heart and all my effort into it. So that's kind of how I've approached the question and that obviously has changed over time, but that's kind of how I approach approach it now and not that that's the right way, but it just helps me focus on what I care about and what I'm passionate about. I like that. I have a hard part, a really hard time with this specific question. Not from the business perspective. So for all of you guys that don't know, I've run a couple of companies in the past. 
I was running six companies at a time in college. And that was definitely me just saying yes to every opportunity that came my way. I was juggling too much. A few of them worked and a few of them just bombed epically because of that lack of focus, I would say. Now that I'm out of college and I'm really just focused on three, four main companies, it's become really easy for me to say no professionally. If someone comes to me with an opportunity, I just have to think about how little bandwidth I have. Now, I think you don't say no, you don't need to be rude when you say no. All of us have, I'm trying to think of what the term is, what, what is, um, just have to deal with me here. There's a podcast that's about, it's a form of living. I can't remember. But I get, I get what you're saying though. And it, I think it's separating the emotion from what you're trying to say. Yeah, I can't, it's, it's an actual term. Like people actually live by this method and I just listened to it, but I'm too dumb to remember. <laughs> so crap. Where I was actually going with that is everyone asks a lot from you. If you look at your email, it's basically just a to-do list for other people that you need to get done for them. That's not your to-do list. So I definitely, we're going to bring up Tim a lot in this, Tim Ferriss. <laughs> I definitely copy his strategy where I only check my email at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and 4 o'clock in the evening. And we even say on one of our websites to basically corporations that are trying to get in touch with us, we say we only check it at 12 and we only check it at 4. If you really have an emergency, when we, and we mean an emergency, you can call one of us on our personal numbers. But we make it very clear, think through that emergency. And if you can't figure it out, we'll answer. But that allows us to make sure we allow ourselves to do our most important things throughout the day without doing other people's most important things. So I don't have a problem with that anymore. Where I do have a problem is when it comes to family and my wife. I am slightly a workaholic when I'm at home. Or... Yeah, workaholic. I, I really like to get things done. And when the family asks me to do things, or my wife asks me to do things, it is pretty much impossible for me to say no. They will bring up, hey, will you go to the Minnesota State Fair? And I just want to scream at the top of my lungs, screw that. I definitely don't want to go. That's such a waste of time. <laughs> but then I go the whole day, and I'm just miserable. So... <laughs> I have a tough time balancing this idea of doing what's right for the family and doing what's right for me. And I always put family first because I think family is so darn important, but I still don't know how you balance it because I don't know how to work that family and business life into a very productive week, I guess. And I don't know if any of you guys have any thoughts on that before we move on. I, I mean, I definitely do. I, I, I think I'm in the same exact boat that you are, and I, I think it's... When once you've been through it a couple times, I think when it comes to your professional life, your businesses, when you're actually doing that sort of work, it gets easier to say no. You realize that people don't take it personally because they've the people that are normally asking you have been through the same scenario, so they understand what it's like to be overbooked and have that sort of thing, and they understand it's not it's not personal. It's just a factor of hey, I'm running three other businesses right now and I can't do it, or I'm already working 18 hours a day and there's just no way that's going to work. But for family, it's something different, right? It's something that you don't want to miss out on that time with, at least for me. 
every every opportunity mm-hmm. I get to spend with my family, especially now that I'm living in Washington D.C., I'm I'm over a th- <laughs> I am. It's cool. I'm the cool kids live in Washington <laughs> D.C. But um, but seriously, I mean, for me, to, it, it's not feasible for me to get home once every two weeks or once every three weeks. I'm I'm over a thousand miles away from home, so any chance that I get to be with family, I'm gonna take that. And it's exactly what you said. Like, yeah, I would love to get six more hours of work done, but I know that if I get a chance at home and it, I have two weeks break over Christmas or in the summer or what have you, you got to take that chance when, when it's, even if it's dinner or if it's a movie and it's something that you might not be super excited about, you still get to spend that time. And I, I think that's time that really can't be, can't be wasted when you get that chance with, with family for me. A question I wanted to add to that was, do you guys ever have, like, I, I realize you guys have now have good tactics for saying no, and you, you have a better understanding of when to say no now that we're slightly more developed in our professional careers. I say slightly, like, like em- <laughs> emphasize, like, very slightly. Jeez, oh, I lost it again. All right, well, I'm coming back to this. I might be interrupting because I keep forgetting this this stupid question. So, all right, Brand, Brand's going to die a little bit. Um, yeah, so, I mean, as far as tactics are saying no, I mean, I even realized this past week that I am a big yes man. I've had many people tell me that, and it's obviously it's not good sometimes. I realized that the most when I was at work, and, you know, I just piled everything on. I was taking on all this stuff, and obviously something is going to go wrong, and something did go wrong. My manager's just like, okay, why didn't we get this done? What was going on? And I said, well, I had this, this, and this. And he's like, you know, we're all here to help you. Like, we can do this. And I think for me, it's more just, I don't want to put anything on, like, especially a manager. You don't want to add more work for them. What I started doing is, it's not really pushing off work, but for maybe some of the newer guys, since I'm two years in, there's obviously going to be guys that are coming straight out of college that aren't going to be, you know, pushing for the new stuff. You kind of say, hey, you want to help me out on this? You try it out, give it a go. Saying no, but also pushing it off and saying, hey, let's give this a try. Maybe that motivates someone else a little bit more. And I'm kind of in the same boat as Bobby is where my girlfriend will ask me to do stuff and I want to say no, but you know, you, <laughs> you're walking in a risky water. <laughs> I'm saying she's a bit, she's very aware of it. She says, you know, she said like, okay, you don't want to do this. I know that I go, no, I do. She goes, can you please just let me know? You know, I mean, cause some stuff I'm like, I'm fine with it. I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. I get there. I'm like, all right. Yeah. This, we could have been doing something else. Maybe if I suggested it, you know? For sure. No, she's very aware that, like, she's like, all right, you got to, let's let's get this figured out. I know you don't want to do this. Oh, for so, sure. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, you got to help yourself out. It, it's just only going to make it worse if you just say yes. You got to say no. It's going to help yourself out, at least for me. Yeah. Joey, it sounds like you got that thought back. Guys, I remembered my question. I'm pretty <laughs> pumped. <laughs> I had to write it down on my phone so I would remember, but I remember. All right, so something I add, wanted to add on to this conversation of saying no and how to say no was, so I know I get this feeling, and because I know this crowd, I think they might get this feeling as well that, I don't know, it's not really feeling bad when you say no, but you feel like you can always do more, right? Okay. You, you always feel like you can do more. And I know I had this discussion with Bobby, and it was about a different topic. It was about, it was about volunteering and, and different different type of stuff, but I, I mean, it comes to the same principle of, you know, I can always do more. And you're like, come on, like 
seriously, like, this person just asked you to do this. You can't take a couple hours, more hours out of your day and finish up this for someone or create this for another person. And I know I struggle with that. Like, I just beat myself up. It's like, come on, Joe. You can you can do more. Like, don't don't be a wuss. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. How do you, how do you guys feel about that? I feel like I do that every day. Mm -hmm. I beat myself up every day about not doing more. I <laughs> always think I should be able to do more. I think I have this unique opportunity to live a life in an area that gives me opportunity on a daily basis. And if I have an opportunity to make a difference in the world, why am I not doing better at it? I look at, so for all of you in the audience, we're all between 24 and 26 here. So we're not super old, not super young, but we're at an age where you see people that are 26, 27 selling their companies for a half a billion dollars. And every single time I see that, I think, my goodness, what am I doing wrong? How am I not affecting the world like that other 26-year-old? And... I personally believe that's the wrong way to look at it. I think each of us has a unique ability and our abilities can only stretch as far as we're able to stretch them. So what I mean by that, I know that wasn't very clear, but what I mean by that is me personally, I could work all day, all night, and that's how I'm structured. I can do that without a break and I'll still be just as productive as the guy that's only been on the clock for an hour. But to bring in someone you guys don't know, my brother, he has become very aware that he needs to work for 12 hours a day and no matter what, after that amount of time, he needs to take a break, he needs to do something with friends, he needs to eat, he needs to work out, and he needs to get a good night of sleep. And that's the only way he's going to be productive moving forward. So I really think about Joey's question, and I, and I think each of us have or should really have a different answer to it, because I think all of us should have an idea of how hard we can push ourselves, and when we know how hard we can push ourselves, we know how big of an impact we can make, and we can more productively make that impact, if that makes sense. Did that make sense at all to anyone? besides my brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that makes partial sense. Yeah. I, I kind of get where you're going. I'm, I mean, I ask this because I don't, I don't have an answer. You know, I, I struggle with this constantly and I always want to keep taking advantage of opportunities. And it's gotten to the point where we, we can't take advantage of every opportunity that we're given. And I, I hate that. The thought of that just cringe to that because I want to take advantage of every opportunity, but um, no, I kind of, I kind of get where you're going there. I think I think you bring up a good point there, though. When you're take, when you're talking about <clears throat> taking advantage of every opportunity, right? You you have this you have this this fear of, of missing opportunity if you, if you don't say yes to every opportunity, right? But I, I think the way that we also have to look at it is what's the opportunity cost of taking all those opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. So like point. right. So if when you think about it more like that, it, it makes saying no a little bit easier because you kind of have to evaluate the opportunities based on your personal self. The, and the opportunities are going to roll in. You're always going to get great opportunities. I think we, everybody in this room has been really blessed with, with great opportunities throughout life and, and really getting the chance to do some impactful work and doing things that matter. And, 
but what you have to evaluate what it, what really matters is is what how does it matter to you or what's its purpose to you right so what can you do with that opportunity because if you're saying yes to every opportunity that comes by you're giving up that percentage of time that you could be working on something else where you could be making a bigger difference or you could be more passionate about it. you could impact more people's lives right exactly which is something you actually care about exactly and and I think that's that's one way to look at it that makes it a little bit easier at least for me because Every time you're taking up on an opportunity, it's taking a chunk out of something else that you could be spending time on. So I think it's just it's something to be cognizant of, something to be aware of, and realizing that there is an opportunity cost that comes with every opportunity, and you have to be able to evaluate that based on your personal self and not just what the opportunity itself is. So my original answer didn't make any sense because <laughs> I uh, just realized I didn't really understand Joey's question. Hmm. Yes. So based off of Brady's answer, in business now, any company I start, and we're doing this with EE at the moment, educating entrepreneurs, I actually like to jump into a new company and not making make an operating agreement out of the gate. I actually, that's that's the opposite of what, most people will say, but if they're people I know and I love and I trust, I want to go a few months doing that and exploring that new concept and working on it so I have a better understanding of that if that's actually a good fit for me. I don't want to jump into a new concept, commit to anything, and really be nailed down and bogged down by it for life. I want to have a better understanding of if it honestly fits my life. And I want to have the opportunity to walk away if it doesn't. So I would say no matter no matter if you're starting a company, if you're at work, whatever it is, don't overpromise for the most part. Allow yourself to explore new opportunities without fully committing. Give it a shot, I guess. And I don't know if Joey's making a face because... No, my, my foot was itchy. Sorry. Okay. So that's kind of what... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that I think that brings up a really interesting point because I think I would say I'm the and part of it I'm the exact opposite of what that is. I think something that we didn't address here was taking on opportunities and missing those up like like the fear of missing some of those opportunities. How to say no, right? I think what one thing that I've noticed that I think bogs a lot of people down, and I I, I don't think you I don't think Bobby I don't think you meant it like this but this is kind of how I heard it, so I just want to okay. address it. You're talking about being able to back out and not fully committing. I think that is – I like your idea of running with it, just getting in and getting your feet wet because like, that's the only way you're going to know if you're passionate about it, right? That's the only way you're going to know if you truly want the opportunity, if you truly want the experiences to jump in and do it. But on the other side of that, I think if you don't fully commit yourself to it, you're never going to really have the true experience of doing it, right? And I think a lot of people get caught in the the middle ground of not making a decision either way, right? The saying is the, the man that chases two rabbits doesn't get dinner. It's not exactly that, but like mm -hmm. if you if you chase if you chase two things and you don't chase either of them, one down to <laughs> either way. I mean, I I usually gather my food in the woods. So. But seriously, like if you, if you're chasing two different things and you're not going to commit to either of them there's a good chance you're probably not going to accomplish either of those goals. So, and, and I, I, I think, I, I don't think that's what you meant by it, but I think one thing that I've noticed, at least in my life, is the only way that I can really accomplish anything, I can gain traction, I can start to do impactful work, 
is through actually committing to something. And I think the fear of making the wrong decision makes people kind of sit in that middle ground, right? Because that's, like, that's a scary thing. It's a scary, you never know, you don't know what's on the other side of that until you actually get into it. But really, what's, what's the worst thing that, that could possibly happen? I mean, you try it out for three months, six months, a year. And if it's absolutely terrible, you try something else, but you learn from it. But you don't learn from that unless you commit to doing it. So I think that's something that just popped into my head when you were talking about that body. So I guess I do a bad job of thinking through how things might come off because from my perspective, based on my life, I have two things I am fully committed to. I have a software company that we're building that I give 110% to and I will never stop doing it no matter what happens. I'm going to pivot and I will make it work no matter what. I mean, I'm sure there'll come a day that I would give up. But for now, I won't. So I'm 100% committed to that. And being that committed to something that I'm so driven by makes it so I can't fully commit to other things out of the gate. So I need to test other things before I give it my full attention because I can't stray away from my number one priority, if that makes sense. But I, I, think that's a per I think that's a perfect point, though, because you are committed to your number one priority, right? So you have that commitment that this is, this is do or die. This is, at the end of the day, what I'm committed to. And I think what I was trying to bring up is that some people don't make a choice either way. They say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of try the software. I'm going to try and try the software business, and I'll try some other things, and I'll kind of put 25% of my time into all of them. Well, that's going to get you nowhere, right? Obviously, like, and you know that. You know, at the end of the day, like, you're 100% bought into your software business. So I, I think that makes sense that you can try other things on the side, but you still have, deep down, you you have exactly what you just said. You have that commitment to that one opportunity or, or that one value that you really care about, that one company that you really care about. For sure. Right? And, yeah, and to keep rambling about it, I know I had a problem with that. I started a software company in college that we went out and raised a couple million dollars to build. And I was juggling so much and so uncommitted to this software company. I didn't do my homework. I didn't have the right paperwork. I didn't keep tabs on the web developer. And it all fell apart. It all went to crap. And I met with one of my mentors about six months after that. And I told him, I gave him an update on the software. I was like, you know what? I walked away from it because I'm not committed to it and I'm totally done with it. It's totally good. I'm super excited. I'm moving on to the next venture. And this guy is the CEO of a huge company. We're eating lunch down in the lobby with like a hundred people and he just screams, of course you fucking did that. And I was like, whoa, I'm pretty excited. Like I'm good to go. And he's like, classic Bobby can never commit to anything. He has a great opportunity. He just fucking walks away. All of us would die to have that opportunity. He's like, I run a huge company and I would die to have someone invest in it. No one has that. And you just walked away because you can't commit. That's classic you. You walk away. I walked away from that meeting going, holy crap. I actually do. I can't commit to one concept. I'm committing to like eight things at a time. And that's when it actually did change my mindset where I was like, I'm going to fully commit to one concept and then anything outside of that, I can't fully commit to. And I will have to test it and let it be what it is, you know? 
But I, and I think that makes sense. But I think you you went through the process of not like committing to eight things. I think is committing to nothing, right? Because oh, big time. Th- then you, then you're all you're doing is spreading your time between those things, and really that's not committing. And, and you figured that out. I think you went through that firsthand. Yeah, and you think everyone thinks they can multitask, and multitasking, e- even if you do think you can, it's, that's bullcrap. It just doesn't work. You can't fully multitask and do a good job. I thought. I thought I had the perfect schedule where it'd be two hours for this company, two hours for that, and everything's going to work out just fine. But the thing is, those two hours were really only like 45 minutes because it took me an hour to get into it. So I think all of us need to focus on one thing and focus on it really forever. Like just don't do anything else. Seriously. If you're pretending you can do a lot more, don't do it because it doesn't work. And you'll just fail. I mean, I think you're wrapping up exactly what we're talking about, though. Like, com- commit to something and try it. Like, you're not going to know unless you commit to something, right? Like, you can't just, like, dip your... Like, you, once you have your once you have your big commitment, then you can dip your toes in other things and try them out. But you can't just dip your toes in everything and expect that you're going to find a commitment out of that, I think. I think you have to commit to something, right? Because you have to have something to lose or else it doesn't really matter. Correct. Right? And, and I think that's what kind of everybody is, has gotten across here. Yeah, but 100%. Okay. Cool. <laughs> all right, so I got a question for you guys. So we're oh, all... Another question. I like it. Yeah. Let's keep this rolling. All right, so we're all uh, we're all entrepreneurs here, and you know, we all got here differently. So my question is, you know, what made you want to become an entrepreneur? Like, what led you down this path that you're on right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll chat about that one for a bit here. Like Brandon said... We all got to this path differently, right? For me, it started back in, I would say, eighth grade. Um, I think Mr. Uh, Robert Mason and I here, uh, we um, we started this little landscaping gig slash do whatever you need us to do gig for money. And <laughs> that sounds terrible. Um, if it was outdoor service related, I should I should say. Uh, clarify there for those who are unaware. Keep it PG here at the Pocket Thoughts. So anyways, this this all started with me and Bobby, around 8th grade, uh, landscape company, outdoors company. And what we did, we started off, printed out a pamphlet, and <laughs> what we did, we walked around to the houses around, around where Bobby lived, and... We talk to everyone um, face to face, you know, just having those conversations. Hey, uh, we're Bob and Joey. Can we? Um, we have this. We are very creative, called uh, Bob and Joe's uh, Door Service Company, something like that. Kind of when it hit me was I was having a conversation with my dad um, about what we were doing, right? And and I was talk- I was explaining to him that. Uh, we were going door to door trying to sell our services, and he's like, "Wow, you guys are learning great, great business concepts and and business communication." And I'm like, "Right, we're just we're just I mean, in my pers- from my perspective, I was just trying to make a little money in the summer to do some fun stuff during the school year, whatever that may be, you know, go to a movie or two." <laughs> 
some guys, some gals, and uh, bowling, you know, all the good stuff back in back in middle school and early high school. So that that's kind of all I thought about. And he's telling me all this, like, you're learning so much about business concepts and business communication and being an entrepreneur. And I'm like, what? I'm, I'm being an entrepreneur? I, like, I don't even, I, that word never even popped in my head when we, when we were walking around and, and talking to all these people. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool what we're actually doing. Cause not a lot of people at that age can just go around and, and talk to people and, and ask them, Hey, can we help you in any, in any way? Right. And, um, that kind of sparked that interest in me. Like this could be, this could be more like I could, I could actually do this as a profession. Right. And I kind of want to say after that, I'm, I'm currently an accountant right now, <laughs> part-time entrepreneur, which is a whole different topic that we will definitely cover. Um, but that's kind of when I realized this path of entrepreneurship was a possibility. And that's definitely something that I'm interested in. As Big Joe just brought up. Big Joe. Yeah, we started an outdoor services company in eighth grade. And it was cool. We made it bigger. Brady joined the club. Brandon joined the club for a day. Got fired. And he, <laughs> he may by, have... By the client. <laughs> Don't say that. Yeah, no, may no, have been released by the company due to a client. <laughs> but we grew the company. We learned, we learned a lot. But I definitely didn't think about doing the whole entrepreneurship thing. I actually kind of backed my way into entrepreneurship. I became pretty sick in high school, and I thought about being a doctor. I thought about being a lot of things. And I was sat down one day, and they basically told me, hey, you could get sicker again in the future. So you should really consider doing something that doesn't involve you always having to be in the office. So I thought about that, and I thought, geez, what other options do I have? The only option I really have at that point is to start my own company. So that's when I really started to explore the entrepreneurship route. I became fascinated in it, in the sense that I, I just thought it was amazing that when you are an entrepreneur, you have the ability to create the change you believe is best for the world. You may not be doing it right. I. I definitely don't think I'm always making the right decisions, but I have control over my success. I have control over how hard I work, how much effort I want to put in, how many risks I want to take, and what kind of impact I'm going to make on the people around me. So that that's what gets me super excited about entrepreneurship. And I'm sure we'll talk about it over and over what it is to be an entrepreneur, what you're willing to sacrifice, whatever else. But that's where I'm going to just stop so the other guys can share their experiences. That's a good point, Bobby and, and, and Joey. I, I think uh, I did the same exact thing on a on a little different spectrum when they were starting the uh, Bob and Joe door service. Door service. <laughs> yeah. We're working on doors now. The door service. That's what, that's what it was called earlier. So we're going to keep it with the door service. <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, when they started their, their landscaping stuff, um, I was doing the same exact thing, started mowing lawns in my neighborhood 
I didn't think of it as I was 100% in the same boat as Joey. Like the word entrepreneurship wasn't even a thing to me. It was how am I going to keep myself busy in the summer? I already mow my lawn. My neighbor asked me to mow their lawn. So I was like, well, I could just like pass out flyers and then I don't have to go get a job. I started with also doing landscaping and it turned like two and three yards turned into five and six and then to 10 yards and it turned into not having to turn out flyers anymore. And then I ran into Bobby and Joey in high school and we kind of realized we were all doing the same thing. So why not do it together? And then we got together and did that. We we got a, a pretty incredible chance to to learn together and grow together and kind of figure out what it what it means to be an entrepreneur and and learn entrepreneurship. But even at that time, I, I wouldn't have considered myself an entrepreneur. I think it was fun to do. I think it was fun to work with each other and fun to kind of build our business and see where we could bring it. Um, I wasn't really thinking on a day-to-day -day basis that I was an entrepreneur. I was just thinking I got to do something I loved every day. I got to work outside. I got to work directly with, with clients and we were kind of able to make it as, as good or as bad as we wanted to make it. Um, that obviously flourished. I, ha I mean, I had an incredible time with that and I realized that whatever entrepreneurship was that I loved to do it. And that brought me to being in an entrepreneurship cohort in, in undergrad, and I got the chance to work with Mayo Clinic on on one of their startups in, in the Mayo Clinic Ventures group and with one of their medical devices. And then um, similarly, my next year at Notre Dame, my thesis, I got to work with a, a medical device and research company out in New York. And I, I kind of followed that passion and followed that love. But I, th I think what sparked it for me was, and I think Bobby touched on it a little bit, was it's your success is completely dependent on you, right? I think it's it's pretty easy. You can go into a, a big company, and I I mean it's I'm there right now. You can go into a big company and get a pretty steady state job, working 40 hours a week, and you know exactly what you have to do, and there's not much risk involved. But I think what's interesting about entrepreneurship, and what I love about entrepreneurship, is that you make it exactly what you want to make it. If you want to get up and work two hours a week. You have the bandwidth to do that, but just know that your company is not going to last very long. Um, and then similarly, if you want to get up and work 100 hours a week, you can make it into something really special. And I, I think that's what I like about it is that it all comes down to you. It's not on anybody else's shoulders. And if you want to make something happen, it, it's on you. And you, it's not someone telling you what it is that you should be doing or the impact you should be making. You get to make that choice. You get to decide how many hours you're going to put in. You get to decide if you're going to take on 10 new clients this year, 20 new clients, or invest in new equipment, or bring on new team members. Everything that you do is is dependent on you, and you really can't pass the blame to anybody. And I loved having the ability because ultimately, I want to do something that impacted other, others' lives and kind of made this world, world a better place. And I think there's a million ways to do that, but entrepreneurship gave me the bandwidth to do it how I wanted to do it. And even to this day, I... I, I it, I don't even think of it as entrepreneurship, but it's being able to make your own schedule and, and do it how you want to do it. And the impact lies solely on your shoulders. That is awesome. Those are all great stories. And I mean, just for me personally, like those guys, I had no idea what entrepreneurship was. I didn't even know in my day of being an entrepreneur with these guys in eighth grade after uh, leaving on my own terms from that company. <laughs> You know, I, I didn't think about it and I didn't get into it until, you know, when we started talking about educating entrepreneurs and just seeing, you know, 
what exactly I can do with it. You know, I would go home after work or in college and just start hopping on Photoshop or hopping on Adobe Illustrator and just messing around with stuff. And, you know, I didn't really do anything with it and just kind of had fun with it. And now just creating things for a company and just having fun with it and doing something that I actually enjoy and seeing that it can turn out to be something. It's pretty enjoyable. And I think that's just the thing I like about it. Um, being an entrepreneur is just getting creative with something and, you know, not like Brady said, going to a job for 40 hours a week and you can put however much time you want into it. Like I can go home and not even think about it as time when I'm just trying to be creative. It's just something fun that I like to do. So we're going to actually wrap this first episode up, but we already had dinner tonight. We're on vacation. We're having a blast in D.C. So we're going to record another one after this. And you can listen to the whole thing next week. We have a few questions we can get to, and we're pretty darn excited to keep this thing going. So we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.